Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is an apostrophe podcast production. Here's one little question that has no simple answer. How does being alone bring us closer? My name is Peg Fong. I'm a journalist and an educator. Come join me as we explore loneliness together. This fairy tale, like so many others, starts with loneliness and then violence and brutality. Our young heroine lived in a convent, but her father had debts that needed to be paid, so a kidnapping was arranged from the convent, and 15-year-old Marie-Catherine Le Jumel de Barnville was married off to a wealthy baron. He turned out to be a brute. The baron was 30 years older than Marie-Catherine, He drank too much. He gambled too much. In fairy tales, villains like the Baron are swiftly dispatched. Quick thinking, and then perhaps impulsive, but ultimately decisive, action is taken. To escape her husband, Marie Catherine plotted with her mother to spread the rumor that the Baron had criticized King Louis XIV. The Baron was imprisoned in the Bastille in Paris for three years. But the Baron used his influence to proclaim his innocence, and after being freed, the tables were turned. Now it was Marie Catherine who was accused of treason. She escaped through a window and hid in a church next door when Louis XIV's guards arrived to arrest her. 
For the next 15 years, she was in exile after fleeing France, living in England, Spain, and Holland, where it was rumored that she was a spy for Louis XIV's court. Her service as a spy was probably the reason why she was allowed to return to Paris in 1685, where she set up a literary salon. Other women aristocrats flocked to her salons. Outside the influence of a court where fathers, brothers, priests, husbands, and kings had dominion over everything, Madame Dunoy, as she became known, and her friends began writing short tales. These were tales about girls who were willing to stand up to villainous men and corrupt officials. It was Madame Dunoy's way of using words and a fantastical world to push back against rigid social norms and to express the voice of women. In one story, Belle Belle, an androgynous heroine becomes a knight in disguise and meets a king and the queen dowager, the king's sister-in-law. The queen dowager falls in love with the knight, the heroine, but eventually it's the heroine who marries the king. In another story, the white cat in the title turns out to be a princess trapped in the body of a feline. Madame de Noy's stories became widely published and translated. Long verses fell out of fashion. Short tales were in. These tales were called fairy tales, and it was Madame de Noy who first coined that phrase. And these fairy tales were not intended for children at all, but for a select group of women who felt alone and isolated from an oppressive outside world where they couldn't talk about the things they wanted to. Subjects like politics and corruption, marriage and love, delicate matters that could be hidden in the fantastical instead. Once upon a time, there was a way to use fairy tales to tell stories about loneliness, and the endings weren't always happy. Fairy tales are stories that matter to those alone and those wanting an escape, because they are all about isolation. The hero or the heroine is often cast out on their own. They seek refuge in forests that seem dark and threatening. But in those scary, unwelcoming places, they find the unexpected and the occasional magic. When they are most alone, someone or something emerges to aid them and give them encouragement. Not everyone has a fairy godmother who appears and waves a wand, but the tale behind these stories is often this. Anyone can escape the forest of loneliness. Renowned fairy tales expert Jack Sipes has a fanciful theory of where Madame de Noy went during her time in exile. Instead of being a spy for Louis XIV, perhaps instead she went to study magic with the fairies and returned to Paris to start some sort of fairy revolution. Like others before and after Madame de Noy, storytelling begins as a lonely process, says Professor Sipes who has written extensively about fairy tales and folklore. Poets are are very lonely people. (laughs) They're always writing about how lonely they are. And novelists too, and so on and so forth. So it's there, 
And it's, it's an important motif at times in most folk and fairy tales. And you name the country, folk and fairy tales are all over the place. I mean, we in the West favor particular authors or collections and so on. But I've traveled throughout the world and have studied folk and fairy tales. And there's no doubt there are instances in most tales in which one can say loneliness is playing a role. And I mean, it's a condition that we all, one time or another in our lives, face. Throughout the ages, we have read fairy tales because they are not just about isolation and being lost in dark woods. There's hope in these tales. And if we think about the coronavirus, what we desperately need today is hope that which leads to action of some kind that will better the world. And so I think that in most of the fairy tales, you can even say back to Hansel and Gretel or Cinderella, why do people like these? It's because the Cinderella is so alone. She's so alone and she needs help. Well, who the hell is going to help her? And of course, the fairy godmother comes. And so we all need help outside of ourselves. We have to join with other people so that we can overcome the help these characters who are on their own receive by venturing even further out into forests and woods are a powerful statement. Even those cast out by the people who are supposed to be closest to them, their mothers, their fathers, can find new allies in strangers. There is hope even for those who think they have no one. Help arrives and changes those who are on their own and lonely, and they realize there are others around who understand them. Like Cinderella, after she is left on her own by her stepsisters and stepmother, the animals and fairies step in to help her get dressed, from rags to a ball gown. Fairy tales often tell stories of how acts transform people from who they are when they are most isolated into another being, a cat or a deer or a swan, or even someone who wears glass slippers. And then they emerge from those transformations into a different place where they are no longer alone. The stories are familiar. Hansel and Gretel are left alone after their stepmother dies and they head into the woods. Rapunzel is locked away and left in a tower where only her long hair can let a prince enter and then they get separated again for years. He is blinded, and her tears, after she finally escapes her isolation, gives him sight again. An angry godmother, not invited to a party, casts a spell that puts a princess to sleep for a hundred years, while a good godmother tries to mitigate that long isolation by suspending every living creature in the kingdom to the same duration of sleep so the princess, Sleeping Beauty, wouldn't have to wake up alone. Fairy tales had their origins as stories that told the teller and the listener that their experiences and their fears and their isolation were transferable, shareable. Later on, by the 17th and 18th century, fairy tales became used as stories that could forward a political point of view and even save trees from the enchanted and everyday forests. One of the earliest environmentalists was a Norwegian zoologist named Peter Christian Asbornsen. 
He collected stories from peasants and farmers in isolated communities and used those folktales to draw attention to the deforestation of Norway. Fairy tales induced the government to act, as Bornsen was appointed forest master and was sent by Norway to examine in various countries in Northern Europe the methods observed for the preservation of timber. With his minister friend Jorgen Moe, the two published the Norwegian fairy tales, which was so popular it was partly attributable to Norway seeking partial independence, and a wave of nationalism swept through the country in the 19th century that included a revival of the Norwegian written language. The two Norwegian fairy tale collectors found the stories when they went out deep into the woods to talk to the storytellers directly, stories that might have been forgotten because they were so removed from everyone else around them. Their storytelling, for them, was a way to stave off the isolation. So there is that sense of small groups who are cut off and to swage off the loneliness of the night, they tell stories about what's out in the woods. And so although they're not on their own as communities, they are isolated. So there is, there is a motif of loneliness there, I think, which, we, which is where is that is coming. They aren't just stories about kings, but how power corrupts. And divine rights aren't permanent, but can be overtaken by peasants who know how to slay demons and dragons. Or a young girl can become a warrior by showing family loyalty, the rights of children and the ability of children to see things more clearly than adults is used to tell stories about how even the powerful can become isolated. Hans Christian Andersen wrote stories about poverty and isolation, topics he knew well because of his childhood as the only child of a shoemaker who told fairy tales. He understood loneliness and not being able to get what he desired. As a boy, Hans Christian Andersen wanted to go see the theater, but he couldn't afford it. He made friends with the distributor of the playbill, and he would give young Christian Andersen a playbill every day. Using those short descriptions and the names of the characters, he created whole plays from them. His imagination took shape and flourished. When he began writing, he used his memories of being poor and lonely to write stories like The Little Mermaid, about a character who was isolated because she longed to be able to walk on land. He also displayed a more radical strain in him during those early days, says Paul Quinn, the director of the Chichester Center for Fairy Tales, Fantasy, and Speculative Fiction. Hans Christian Andersen used stories to talk about how power corrupts people, and those surrounding them become complicit in helping them maintain power. After the global success of his fairy tales, Hans Christian Andersen received invitation to royal courts throughout Europe. That's when, according to Professor Quinn, he became less willing to write the kind of stories that showed underdogs and those forgotten by society, like The Little Match Girl. So The Emperor's New Clothes is from that earlier period, and that, that's about exposing power and, and how people will just obey 
and it takes a child to point out, well, the emperor is naked. But as Anderson becomes increasingly dependent upon court patronage from uh, wealthy figures around the court, his work becomes increasingly safe and kind of toes the line. So there is this connection between politics and 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 the fairy tale throughout most of its existence, even if it's kind of a, a soft. Anderson used fairy tales to tell stories about the isolation of the poor. And the Grimm brothers also use fairy tales as a form of assurances to the emerging working class of readers that their conditions could improve. The Grimm's brothers released their fairy tales at a time when German people were isolated from each other due to wars and separations. The Grimm's fairy tales led Germans to once again think of themselves as a united country. If you go back into the history of the fairy tales, so the, I mean, the, the Grimm's are working against initially against the backdrop of the aftermath of the Napoleonic invasion of the section of the German states that they live in, and they're part of that movement to establish a, a German peoples, and so what turns out as the unification of Germany in, in the 1870s. The underside of unification is fairy tales have also been used to expose tyranny. An unconfirmed story was Hitler's favorite movie of all time was Snow White because of its racial undertones and the works of Hans Christian Andersen were used in occupied territory during the Second World War to make the case for a unified Northern European identity. I'm waving my magic wand so we can have a sleep for 100 seconds. We'll be right back. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. 
While it was Madame de Noy in her elegant, far-from-the-riff-raff salon who first coined the fanciful name fairy tales, the origins of some of these stories have been traced back thousands of years. One of the biggest mysteries in fairy tales is why did so many places around the world have stories that were similar? Did oral traditions, the first kind of storytelling, move from place to place like a virus? There's a story about a beautiful girl who falls into a catatonic state after a jealous mother flies into a rage. If you're thinking that's Snow White, that means you're from the West. But it's also the plot of a South African story called The Unnatural Mother and the Girl with a Star on Her Forehead. There's also what Professor Maria Tatar calls a scrambled-up version from Switzerland. In that story called The Death of the Seven Dwarves, the Snow White tropes are evident. A homeless child finds protection by seeking refuge in a home with seven dwarves. One day, an old woman comes knocking on the door and seeks a bed for the night. When the girl refuses to offer the old woman shelter, she is denounced as a slut and accused by the old woman of having carnal relations with all seven of the dwarves. That's why it's clear that fairy tales were not initially meant for children. The audience was for grown-ups, says Professor Tatar, the John L. Loeb Professor of Germanic Languages and Literatures and Chair of the Committee on Degrees in Folklore and Mythology at Harvard University. And the message behind their misfortunes and then their discoveries about the meanings for why they had to go through being alone is it leads them to find allies. As the idea was percolating in my mind, I realized, good God, they're all isolated and lonely. And, you know, they leave home and they go through this initiation period and they have no allies and no friends, and they've left a home that is often a toxic environment, either a mother who loves them too little or a father sometimes who loves them too much. In one fairy tale, after the death of his wife, a man proposes to his daughter, and the daughter has to run away. They're without allies, but in a way, because they are so isolated, they're capable of making new alliances. You know, they're open to the world. They're adventurous. They're going out there. And in fact, what do they find? They find helpers. They find donors. Uh, they find animals, uh, helpful animals, friendly animals. You know, the ants who will gather up pieces of a cake or something like that, or a fox who will let you ride on his back. Fairy tales had a mix of boys and girls as protagonists, young men and young women, and children gained a sense of empowerment by reading about someone they recognized going into the woods on their own. In the 1970s and 1980s, other authors began writing new versions of these fairy tales. When you're five or six years old and you're learning about monsters in the woods and you, you have these you're kind of scared at night and that sort of thing. So 
you know, the question is, is, is Little Red Riding Hood something you'd want to read as an adult? Does it make sense? Well, turns out, yes, because Angela Carter wrote some incredible versions, literary versions of Little Red Riding Hood, which are really exciting and fun. So to me, I think in some ways, it's the portal to fairy tales for us is with writers like Angela Carter, Margaret Atwood, Toni Morrison, or Anne Sexton, who wrote a wonderful volume of poetry called Transformations. You know, start with that and see how those writers made the stories new. These are very old stories, but have something to say about who we are now. Just how old are some of these fairy tales? One story called The Smith and the Devil is about a blacksmith who makes a deal with an evil supernatural being for the power to weld any material together. It has been traced as far back as 6,000 years into the Bronze Age. That research done by folklorist Sarah Graca da Silva and anthropologist Jamie Turani applied phylogenetic techniques to linguistic creating a computer analysis using statistical programs that construct evolutionary family trees or phylogenies of people and other organisms based on genetic relationship among living and ancient individuals. It's done by mapping stories through common languages and geographical proximity. Using that computer analysis, which is more commonly deployed by biologists, the folklorists and the anthropologists trace Little Red Riding Hood to at least a millennium, Beauty and the Beast and Rumpelstiltskin to about 4,000 years. The Smith and the Devil is the oldest at 6,000 years. Its basic plot was known through the Indo-European speaking world, from as far south as India to as far north as Scandinavia. Not everyone agrees that these stories go back that far. But whenever the Smith and the Devil was first told about a lonely character deeply dissatisfied with their life and willing to go to extremes to be rich or feed a hunger for knowledge, the origins of the story doesn't matter that much. It's changed and transformed over time to a story that everyone recognizes. In the 16th century, the Faust legend emerged about a man who is successful yet alone in his success, which leads him to make a pact with the devil. In exchange for unlimited knowledge and worldly pleasures, he will give up his soul. It's seen today in many of our pop culture references. Anakin Skywalker pledges himself to the dark side of the Force in order to save his wife and becomes Darth Vader. The latest version of this fairy tale is familiar to millions of viewers of the Netflix series Squid Game, where desperate participants play a series of children's games in order to win a large sum of money. The theme of loneliness leads to desperation. Or perhaps it's the other way around. Being desperate is such a lonely place, and the person is so alone that it leads them to take on a Faustian bargain or head to the dark side of the Force, from the Smith and the Devil to Faust to Darth Vader to Squid Game. 
A modern day fairy tale gone wrong. The end of a fairy tale. Breaking the magic spell. As Jack Sipes and Paul Quinn believe, fairy tales tell us something about how loneliness and isolation can be changed. Allies will be there even in the darkest places. Orphans could become rulers. Locked away heroines can shed tears that cure blindness. Peasants can become noble knights and brave queens. Castaways can earn the love and loyalty of strangers. And alone in the woods, storytellers can revive a country's language and share that even the forests themselves have a story to tell. Miraculous transformation and magic spells were imaginative elements that brought out real fulfillment in readers to not be underdogs or accept that they are the victims of social and economic systems that can't be changed. Professor Maria Tatar believes fairy tales are comfort food. For many people during the pandemic and in lockdown, they turned to these short stories that were on hand, easily digestible. Most of us felt distracted, unable to focus at times during the pandemic. We went seeking the stories that we read in childhood and turned to them because they were easy to pick up. Comfort food. Her recommendations for a fairy tale that tells us something about who we are today is the story of the six swans by the Grimm brothers, or in the Hans Christian Andersen version, it's called the wild swans. A girl has brothers who have been cursed and turned into swans. In order to save them, she has to take a vow of silence and live by herself in the woods and embroider shirts and do handiwork. She has to stay isolated for six years. As Maria Tatar points out, if you are a healthcare worker or an essential worker, or you work in a supermarket, you're a hero. If you're a scientist studying COVID-19, you're a hero. But for the rest of us, the best thing we could do was just stay at home and do nothing and maybe read some fairy tales. In the end, by staying on her own, the girl saves her brothers and they turn back from swans into people. In fairy tales, you can have a mission and purpose by carrying on with your work and your everyday life. That is a doable, happily ever after. We may be alone, but we are alone together. Alone Together was directed by Callie O'Reilly. Sound engineer is Jeff Devine. Our theme music by Ari Posner and Ian Lefevre. The producers of the show are Guillermo Serrano and Allison Pinches. I'm Peg Fong, the writer and host, and this fairy tale is over, but we have other episodes you may enjoy. Subscribe and give us a review wherever you get your pods, and follow us on social at apostrophe pod. We'll follow back. This series is executive produced by Terry O'Reilly. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.